You got a sponsor? I do not. Mm, let's give. Let's rack the old brain cells. And by that, I mean type emails furiously to people that have money. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big One Podcast. It's episode 32, Bristol Night Race is what we're going to be recapping this week. But we've got some other motorsports as well because we are your favorite motorsports podcast. Um, You can follow us at Podcast Big One uh, on Twitter or email us at podcastbigone at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, we, we follow all different motorsports. If you're you're checking us out on episode 32 of what is our most complete season yet, um, you're kind of doing it wrong. But honestly, go back and listen to ones that are about races that you really enjoyed and uh, and see if you like us. Uh, we're generally pretty funny, I like to say. Um, we're to a two-man crew this week. Normally have a three-man crew, but one of our one of our boys is overseas, you know, grinding and and by grinding i mean i think he was like on his friend's boat that like he lives on in a canal that has a bunch of plants on it i don't know there was a lot going on um but with me this week is baby g say hi baby g hey fans how's it going this week i was also very confused by the pictures that new guy was sharing i was like is that a boat is that a house it's a houseboat with it's a houseboat beers everywhere <laughs> i don't know what was going on it looked like a grand old time yeah you know baby g i i don't know if this is a compliment or not but of my friends i would say that you are the most likely to live on a houseboat that would be fun i could get on board with that give me a fishing rod i'm game yeah yeah uh you know uh i think it's uh i think it's just cool lifestyle choice and it just fits you so give it give it some thought now, you live in Milwaukee now. Even if you live in Chicago, there's water next to both. There's water Let's everywhere in the Midwest. It. We'll find a place to park it. <laughs> Can you imagine just, like, of all the millions of lakes in Wisconsin, you just, like, choose one that's barely big enough, You can and you park a giant houseboat on it, and you can't move the houseboat. It just stays right there on the pond. Um, I think that'd be, that'd be pretty hilarious. Uh, but anyway... We've gotten a little off track already because that's our style. Our sponsor this week loves getting off track. It's MGM, um, as in MGM Casinos. Uh, If you haven't been following along, MGM is in the midst of a hack attack. They are currently uh, uh, struggling to keep their services up, uh, which goes uh, extends from um, employee and personal services to their slot machines on the casino floor and uh, to getting people checked in. And even as of this morning, you still cannot book a room through them. Uh, so that's that's been really fun. Um, that's the world that we live in today, and uh, and we promise that we're not the ones hacking them. In fact, uh, we may or may not be receiving our money from the ransom that they're supposed to pay. We'll see what happens. Um, without further ado, let's jump into some race recaps, I guess. Uh, we had three races, all three playoff races for once, um, at Bristol Motor Speedway, starting with a truck race that happened on Thursday night, basically the night that we recorded well, at least one of our episodes um and uh and it, and it went just like this 
take them through it, baby G. Thursday night race. This was a little shift on the schedule this week. So we got a Thursday, Friday, Saturday with that cup race being on Saturday night. But let's get into truck race first here. Your stage winners, stage one, Christian Eckes. He led all 55 laps in stage one. Stage two winner, also Christian Eckes. Your race winner looked like it was going to be Eckes, but ended up being Corey Heim. Christian Eckes brought this thing green Won the pole in qualifying and, like we saw, dominated that first stage, all 55. 15 laps in, had a pretty big wreck. Number 5, Dean Thompson, and number 51, Jack Wood, both got caught up in this thing. Pretty unfortunate that early in this race, both both guys got big damage and weren't able to recover. 75 laps in, laps in another caution for Greg, Z- Greg Van Alst, easy for me to say. Zane Smith, mm-hmm. he did get to the lead in part of stage two. So Zane Smith had a really strong car in this thing. Looked like he was going to maybe keep that truck out front for the uh, entire part of that stage two. Ended up not happening, like we said, Chris Nekas, stage two. Corey Majeski, guy that loves to play with his tires. He ended up getting a flat in that stage two, but he was able to get that free pass and back on the lead lap. Tie. Stage three of this race was pretty awesome. Corey Heim ended up taking advantage of some lap traffic with five to go and past Christian Eckes to bring home the win. So I thought this was going to be a total domination, uh, first two mm-hmm. stage sweep and a win by Christian Eckes. But after this race, Christian Eckes was kind of beating himself up a little bit in the interview. And it seemed like he just made a bit of a mistake in that lap traffic. Corey Heim mm-hmm. took advantage of it, passed him and, and blew by him right for the win there at the end. Yeah, this both looked like Bristol of old and nothing like Bristol of old at the same time. The getting caught in lap traffic and uh, just not knowing how to tackle it or not being able to tackle it perfectly the whole time is what gets you into trouble uh, as a leader at Bristol. Um, And really, Corey Heim could put that car anywhere. and, And basically, that's how he kept making up time. They, they always talk about the little conundrum of lap traffic at basically any given track, especially now that there's so much aero dependence everywhere. Well, Bristol has become that with the top line and the bottom line. You really do have to make moves and be able to put your car where, or your truck where it needs to go to be able to make passes to, to stay out in front. Well, the guys that are racing and trying to stay just barely on the end of the lead lap are going to race you pretty hard if you're the leader. Once they get lapped, they're probably not going to race you too, too hard, except for just to maintain their their position and their speed. And so the second-place guy will always have a bit of an advantage making up some time. But again, Corey Heim's car just worked better making those moves to get by and through that lap traffic. And that's why, again, very exciting finish to be able to, to make up that time and make that pass with just five to go um, and bring home the win. That's Corey Heim for you. Corey Heim's a closer. Corey Himes is the kind of guy that's going to it's going to do big things in um, the three series for NASCAR for the next couple of years. Eckes is in that boat somewhat as well, but uh, this is why Corey Himes being talked about about like where is he going to be next year kind of thing. So pretty pretty good Thursday night truck race, fun fun one to watch there on a Thursday night with some football on the side. For sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, good football as well. Cool. Uh, moving on, Xfinity race on Saturday, or sorry, on Friday night. Uh, we had our stage one winner was Cole Custer, our stage two winner uh, Justin Allgaier, and our race winner Justin Allgaier. Uh, it didn't look like it was going to be Justin Allgaier for just a little bit there. 
um, to most of the crowd's delight. We saw a Dale Jr., our one Dale Jr. race of the year, and the best one yet in terms of just pure performance. And just honestly, Dale seemed like he was having a fucking ball, man. Um, he loves the, the two-lane Bristol, by the way. I know a lot of fans have, have shown hate towards it in the past, um, but it it delivered so well in these Xfinity cars. And when Dale Jr. says he likes something, the, the, the fans seem to like it as well. Well, first race of the round of 12 for Xfinity, and also some history here. It was the first stage to the first stage of this race was the first stage to go all green flag. Um, I think they said they said at Bristol, and I didn't know if this was at just Xfinity or Cup or or Cup Xfinity and Truck. I don't know. I like I wouldn't be surprised if it was the first stage ever at Bristol since stage racing has brought been brought here to go entirely green. It's just so rare. Um, but yeah, the the energy ramped up from there in stage two Allgaier was able to take the lead and uh got past uh, custer but custer stayed right on him they flopped back and forth there was a lot of like uh, uh dive to the inside not able to get the speed down the straightaway a lot of side-by-side action which was pretty awesome um that's again what this new bristol kind of brings uh kligerman had a, an engine issue and tried to go to the garage but the pace and a pace car and a truck were in his way that was a weird situation you want to talk about that one it was super weird so he had the engine issue and he's trying to get back through the garage and he has to come to a full stop and all of a sudden you see the pace car just kind of peel out and then there's this truck i think it was a tow truck had to move out of the way as well so it's like apparently those guys were just hanging out where you got to turn and get to the garage so i don't know why they were there or what they were doing, but that was quite interesting to see him lose. You know, if he was going to get back out there, he did lose some time sitting there waiting for those two cars to move out of his way. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they were actually in the wrong position or they were just, like, not out of the way enough. You know what I mean? Like, that seemed like an okay position for them to be sitting, but they just weren't out of the way enough. And also, the, the lights were on in the tow truck, but they were obviously, like, showing this to the side. Did you see? Did they have a driver in that tow truck the whole time, or did they actually have to go and like get someone to go and move it? I don't know. I couldn't tell from the broadcast. Yeah. I don't know if it was okay. Shoot, somebody run over there, and move that thing real quick so he can sneak by. Yeah, it seemed to me like it was probably sat there, like they parked it there, and then nobody thought like, oh yeah, a car. Like to your point, a truck might have to go through here. Or, sorry, a car might have to go through here to get to the back. But um, either way, weird situation. But, again, like I mentioned before, Dale Jr. got to lead them to green for Stage 3 and immediately build out a two-second lead. Uh, you know the crowd was fired up about that. Dale Jr. was fired up about that. Um, loved hearing some of his radio broadcasts. Uh, unfortunately, it was not to last. Um, Dale Jr. was able to get all the way until later in the race, but eventually had a uh, fire. It was an electrical fire problem, I do believe, right? And, uh, and eventually had to bring it down um, uh, uh, pit lane. But And his, his uh, ankle of his fire suit was on fire and had burned through, which was mildly concerning. Um, but he seemed to be in very good spirits regardless. Seemed to have a very good time. Um, Austin Hill had gotten to the wall with Sheldon Creed in, uh, in after contact with Sheldon Creed in Stage 3. 
those RCR guys were kind of going back and forth. Austin Hill had been heated the whole race. Like I remember in stage one, he was getting mad that someone was just holding him up and it it wasn't Sheldon Creed at that point, but here Austin Hill's uh, uh, anger was boiling over. And both of these guys are somewhat hotheads, I would say. And so that was really coming through. Austin Hill had that radio that they put on the broadcast in stage one. He was just like, it was just screaming 15 (laughs) explosives in a row. Like it was basically just beep, 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 beep. God damn beep, beep. It was insane. It's like, holy cow, this guy's blood pressure is through the roof. Calm down. We're in stage one. Yeah. The network sensor person was uh, wearing out that button for, for Austin Hill for sure. Uh, he was just like, why did you play this? If none of the words were going to be able to be said. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was, yeah, th- that was the second one. Actually, the first one was literally just him screaming, uh, which was also like, why did you put that on the network broadcast? But they were all in, those are in stage one. And so, yeah, by stage three, he was not having it. Um, Cole Custer was charging with about 30 to go and Hemrick and John Hunter Nemechek were holding strong with Dale jr. Right there. Uh, Hemrick and Allgaier were still battling when Junior uh, started on fire there towards the end, um, but they were continuing to battle through lap traffic. But Allgaier had those four fresh Goodyears that were able to help him win out. Um, that means he is through to the next round, doesn't have to worry about these next two playoff races. And they're dangerous playoff races, right? We got Talladega. This is this is what we call the wild card round. We've got Bristol, and then we've got Talladega. And then we've got the Roval. So it's a really, really tough playoff round uh, for, for these Xfinity guys, um, even arguably more tough than what the, the cup guys are about to do because they do Texas and then Talladega and then Roval. So, um, any last comments that you have on this Xfinity race or Justin Allgaier moving through? One of the call-outs on this one was Dale Jr. had put something together where a lot of the drivers were wearing these skeleton gloves, and they were auctioning mm-hmm. them off for a foundation. So that was really cool that Dale Jr. was going to sign all of the gloves, and then the drivers themselves who were wearing the gloves were also going to sign them. Didn't see anything after mm-hmm. the fact about how much money they did raise or if they've even auctioned them off yet, but really cool move by Dale Jr. being in this thing and then also raising money for a foundation as well. Yeah, so... He's done that a number of times before. I can't actually remember if he was doing those in conjunction with the races that he had been doing in Xfinity, but definitely in the later part of his career, he had done a number of these before. I know because I've like gotten very close to pulling the trigger on some of those gloves. Gloves have always been cool to me, like like football gloves as well. I've always kind of like wanted to buy some secondhand football gloves um, that were you know used in a game kind of thing. They're just they're just cool. Like they're a cool thing. Like I wouldn't even put them in a case or nothing like that. I would literally have them there so that folks could try them on and be like, hell yeah, these are Dale Junior's gloves before he had that fire. You know, <laughs> um, just be a really cool mantelpiece item. So. Um, yeah, let's uh let's let's keep an eye out. Let's uh maybe put some big one money towards some gloves here. Uh uh and see what we can do. Cool. Uh well that takes us through Friday night. Let's get into some short track Saturday night racing, our last Saturday night race and night race of the year. Um cup race at Bristol. Bristol, this is one of those, not a crown jewel, but it's still one of them where every driver wants to win because it's a primetime race. Your stage one winner, Christopher Bell. Stage two winner, Christopher Bell. And your race winner, to the delight of all the fans in attendance, raising up those two number ones, Denny (laughs) Hamlin with the win at Bristol. He beat all your favorite drivers, all of them. 
all of your favorite drivers are going down. So this was a really, really fun race. We got a lot of call-outs, a lot of things to break down for you here. A little bit of weather in the area, so they moved this race up for rain. Ended up not being able to go early, moved it right back due to rain. So it went off just about at the scheduled time for this thing. Always fun to see Michael Jordan at the track. And I don't know if you saw this. Was that new guy with him, his best friend? Or was that a <laughs> doppelganger? I didn't. I couldn't quite tell. They didn't zoom in far enough to see if that was a new guy sighting at the track or not. Yeah, I could not tell who it was either. Um, but I doubt it was new guy since he was in a canal somewhere. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did saw, I did see a really funny, uh, picture because, um, uh, Michael Jordan was sitting on the pit box and he clearly is too tall. Like you, you know, those, they, they have the little overhangs of the pit box and he, there's no way he could see out without just like crouching down. I'm sure he was watching a little television in there, um, instead, but, uh, it was a, it was a funny image regardless. Very, very funny indeed. So first stage in this on some of the action, AJ Allmendinger gets too high, gets into the wall, and Austin Sindrick comes up on him real hard, hits mm-hmm. him, I want to say, in the back left of the car for Dinger and causes some pretty serious damage, bringing out the first caution. Out of this first yeah. caution, you had just penalties everywhere. Denny Hamlin was speeding. Kyle Larson runs over the equipment. Briscoe working on that car outside the box. So even though it seemed like it was only a two-car accident there, a lot of shuffling of the field due to some of those penalties early in this thing. I'll say one thing I thought was interesting was that the two that brought out the caution, I swear it was like right before the race that I was like browsing Twitter, uh, NASCAR Twitter, and I saw that replay of Dinger and Sindrick going for the regular points season finale at Bristol um, and wrecking each other, which was one of the best Bristol finishes to any race, period, um, in an X, and it was in an Xfinity race, like, uh, what was it, I guess two years ago, um, and that was phenomenal racing, and it was just funny because I just watched that before the race started, and then they were the first two to get into an accident together as well, now in Cop, obviously. Yeah, unlike Xfinity, no first green flag stage for this one so mm-hmm. we did have some some uh, cautions here and there kevin harvick in this one he was really really struggling to turn mm-hmm. that car all day long and he was just dropping playoff points from green flag all the way to the checker flag kevin harvick just didn't have it i don't know what the heck was going on with the setup in that car but it seemed like he was tight he was all out of sorts and just didn't have a car to to get him through to the playoffs to the next round yeah, he- it's so it's so weird because it's such a staple of what I would call the Rodney Childers, Harvick, De- uh, Kevin Harvick strategy to have a car that rolls well through the center, like that. It just it, like think about the races that Kevin Har- Harvick has been so good at, and his characteristic domination style is Phoenix, Atlanta, old old configuration for Atlanta, uh, short tracks sometimes. Um, but really just these racetracks where the car is set up so that it's fast and it's trimmed down the straightaway. And then in the middle of the corner, it is on that yellow line and never comes off of it. And I, I Harvick seemed to be struggling with the idea of, I can't get it to do that here. And honestly, it's not the fastest way around Bristol with the, with the, the uh, PJ1 at the bottom and the top lane. And then his car was not good at the top. And, and Harvick's never been that good at running the top, so you don't know how much of it was the car versus Harvick's own uh, uh, like uh, familiarity slash um, comfort running that top lane here. 
Um, but yeah, totally agree. It was just never there for him. And, uh, honestly, a little sad, a little spoiler. He does not make it, but, um, uh, and, and points and transfer through, but like a sucky way to go out, I would say. Agree. Corey with joy ended up leading a good amount of stage one. So that was cool to see the number seven car up there front running really, really strong in this race. Like we said earlier, Christopher Bell did take stage one and then we did end up getting a red flag for some rain. I will say I personally did not have a red flag for the rain of the beers that were going down the gullet for Mm. this one. So my notes got a little bit sloppy at the end of this race, but (laughs) we'll continue to break down here. uh, Yeah. You spell things better towards the top and uh as it goes down some of the spellings are getting worse um but uh yeah Corey joy that was cool and i thought it was cool because there's a massive spire announcement that we're going to talk about a little bit later on that came out earlier that week and it was just like we were like spire why spire that doesn't make any sense and then sure enough spire puts his car out in front and goes oh we can win races bitch uh like i loved it i thought it was really cool one of the things you called out was kevin Harvick not being able to work that top groove. Kyle Larson, mm-hmm. a master class of running that oh, yeah. top groove. It doesn't matter any track. It seems like he can just stick it up there and run it. So he ended up hitting that top groove when the track started wearing in a little bit and heating up. And William Byron tried to mimic him, go up the top there, but you could tell he just didn't have it and he couldn't stick with him. So Larson ended up mm-hmm. getting that lead and, and running that top really well. Corey Vajoy, though, did get back to the lead in this thing. That was awesome to see. Unfortunately, he ended up getting in a pretty nasty wreck. Joey Logano got caught up in this thing, and immediately you kind of thought, okay, is Logano going to be able to recover and make it through? And he was never able to recover and get back out there and and, and make it. So Big Joe, as a result of that wreck with Lejoy and a couple other drivers, Logano just ended up getting caught up in it, nowhere to go on that short track, and he did not transfer yeah it's uh again like we 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 playfully i will say hate on big joe like the dude i like him a lot because of how he announces and 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 certain aspects of who he is i can tell who kind of a little bit about how he might actually be a really nice person um man it's this is what bristol cutoff race will do to you it may not be your 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 day just because of the happenstance. And it was funny because in my head when, when we were talking about Harvick or when I was making that point about Harvick and just like you hate to go out where you just don't have speed. You almost rather be in a wreck was what I almost said. I don't know. It's not any better. Uh, I'm sure Joey Logano would have rather had a, a dog shit car that he could maybe limp to the next round, you know, um, and because he was definitely in that points position where he could have done that. But the wreck, yeah, just took him out. I think he finished 34th, if I remember correctly. Yeah, way down, way down, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, he just needed a couple more positions, and he was, there was no way to get them, so. Ty Gibbs took the lead in this thing with 219 to go. So 219 to go, though, at Bristol, that's an eternity in this cutoff (laughs) race. So just thought that was interesting. Ty Gibbs did get up there in the front. Denny ends up taking the lead with 140 to go, but we missed it. TV was in a full commercial. They come back, and we've got a new leader. I absolutely hate that on these primetime races that were full commercial and you're missing lead changes here in this race. Yeah, it sucks to see. My notes get a little sloppy there, so I don't know if you've got any other call-outs for the rest of this one. It was basically just Denny Hamlin putting on a show the last mm-hmm. portion of this race. Yeah, so like the last bit of this... 
Um, I, I was out and about the whole day, but I was able to watch a lot of it on my phone and with audio. It was really basically right around that point where Ty Gibbs took the lead to 19-200 to go, um, that, or, or maybe a little bit beyond that actually, that I started having to watch silently or I was putting my phone away and then picking it back out, just, just trying to get down to where I was getting to. I, I went, um, you know, I like, I know, I know we like to do this. I was down at Snack Fest in Portland, uh, and then I went to the uh, Portland Thorns game against the Well Rain, which was Megan Rapinoe's last game in town. She used to she used to play here, um, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, and had sweet tickets for it as well, which was sweet. But uh, the whole way in, man, was the final like 30, 40 laps. We were messaging back and forth, and you said you were pacing. I was like in a crowd trying to like listen to audio and just be like no caution no nothing i i kept telling uh the person i was with i was just like boring laps i just want boring laps yeah like i don't want anything but just get the fucking laps done let's get bubba through and the guy that they keep on doubting they said he couldn't win they said he couldn't win anywhere but a restrictor plate track they said he couldn't make the playoffs they said he couldn't advance out of the round of 16 he keeps getting it done, and sort of not a record, but st- st- worth pointing out, negative 19 points going in to the final cutoff race, that's the second most points deficit made up in a round to advance on points to the next round. Um, that's that's worth calling out. That's fucking digging and grinding right there. Uh, he made up 23 points to advance. Um, very, very impressive day out of Bubba. Loved it. I've got to know it's just Bubba and Truex were grinding in this entire oh. third stage. You could tell, man. It's like Bubba. Truex like, too, man. Yeah. Bubba, it's like he just didn't have a car stick with it. All day. Stick with it. Stick with it. And you could tell when he got out of that car at the end, it's just like, hell yeah, I fucking made it through. Yep. Y'all can kiss my ass. I'm driving this thing for the next three weeks. Hell yeah, in man. The playoffs. I love to see it. And, and eliminating two former champions, one of them a two-time champion in the process. Um, also going home, Ricky Stenhouse and Michael McDowell, uh, you know, those two, you, you could have predicted those two, you know, um, but, but, uh, great seasons nonetheless for them. Those seasons aren't over. Um, they, they get to continue to compete on points and go for wins. So fantastic Bristol night race on Saturday for sure. All three, man, this was one of the best weekends of NASCAR racing that we saw all season. Um, absolutely fantastic. And I think, like, I want to get these, these – let's jump into some storylines, but I want to I want to flip this and make sure we talk about some of the bottom stuff, and then we'll get into um, some of the the storylines the story for the silly season after it. But the big news that came out earlier in the week is that both NASCAR weekends at Bristol next year will be on the concrete. No dirt race at Bristol – um, obviously that's, that's cool. Um, given what we just saw at the night race, I wish that they would turn the spring one to a night race as well. I, I, you know, I, there's no point in doing it during the day. Like there's no, I don't think there's a single person that attends Bristol that wouldn't want to also see the spring race during the night. And it's got to help with attendance. I, I have no clue. I, it, from what Bob Pockrystal said earlier today, it seems like we're actually maybe another few weeks out from the schedule release when we, we thought we might get it this week. Um, so, you know, they're clearly working through a lot of stuff, and maybe maybe they will do this. But, like, NASCAR, if you listen to this podcast, I'm begging you, do something with it. 
do not just have this spring race come back and have it be some kind of dumb afterthought. Um, even if it's some kind of a gimmick like the Darlington throwback race. I don't know. Find something that makes that spring race unique. Don't just come on a Sunday, run 500 miles, and move on. It's good racing. Don't get me wrong. But people don't show up for it, and, and we can't go back to what it was. So do something there. Um, I think we have some viewership numbers here. Yeah, this Bristol race earned 1.562 million average viewers on USA. That's down 12% compared to last year at 1.776 million. And it's way down from the dirt race at 3.45 million. So that's very, very concerning. I know this race was on at the same time as a lot of really big college football games. It was on at the same time as the Tennessee Vols game right there in Bristol's backyard. So I'm assuming football had a pretty big impact on this. But still, that 12% is concerning. This was our last USA race of the year, I believe, right? I believe so. Okay. I'm going to blame that a little bit. Um, It was not on USA Network last year, for comparison. Um, That plays a role. It will play a role. They also moved the start time up an hour and then moved it back because of rain and then had an hour. Cup is on USA again this week. Oh, Jesus At Texas. Christ. I thought yep. I read somewhere that it was the last one. That's Oh, you know what? I read that Texas is going to be the last one. That's right. Okay. Well, it's Texas. I'm okay with that. Um, uh, there's reasons that this race didn't get as much viewership. Everything you just mentioned, college football, the first couple of weeks of college football, man, uh, we talked about it last week. Maybe the NASCAR needs to take a break and then have their, their yeah, I hate to say season extend longer, but find some kind of way that they don't have to compete here as much. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks to see because again, what a great weekend of racing. The other thing to call out isn't just the 3.45 that dirt was getting because that spring race is going to have to compete with that number next year. And it's going to be really hard to do it, but the F1 race happened at 5 AM or sorry, 5 AM my time, I think it was 8 AM East coast time and only had about four point, yeah, 0.5 less like half a million less viewers. Um, granted, no college football to compete with for that one and some of those other reasons that we mentioned before. So, like, it's still it's close. It's way closer than it should be um, for an F1 product that hasn't been delivering. But we'll we'll talk about this week's race. It actually did deliver. So These USA races, though, I don't understand why when I go to Peacock, I cannot watch a USA race on Peacock. I have to physically go to like USA.com or the USA app. It's absurd. I was talking to my parents, texting with them. They were up in North St. Paul visiting Big G. And Big G and Lady G are out doing a dinner with somebody. And my parents were like, isn't there a race on? Why can't we find it on Peacock? I'm like, well, do they have the USA app installed in their TV? And my parents are like, we give up. Like, we're not going to yeah, install a new app on their watch. TV. We'll watch football instead. I'm like, there you go. You lost one household of viewers right there. And how many other people are in that exact same situation? If it's not something 100%. where you can flip on your smart TV, pop Peacock on, here's my live racing. Like, why do we not have that happening every single week? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. That's, uh, that's, that's it's unexcusable honestly and as they work out their new cup contract for tv for next year there need to be rules around this there need to be accessibility rules 
and and I'm I'm sure that's kind of what's dragging some of this out. It's, I'm sure it's somewhat what's dragging out some of the scheduling um, um, for the, the 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 you know the actual track schedules and everything is. We need this sport to be in the modern age in all ways. We talked about that Xfinity deal. They hit all of the points they needed to hit with that. They need to hit the same thing with Cup next year. And if there's going to be networks, look, I love NBC's coverage. They clearly don't like 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 they, they clearly spend a lot and do the right thing when it comes to um, um, you know coverage for NASCAR on the broadcast. But where they shove the broadcast, where it's viewed, the time slot versus IndyCar um, and versus other things going on at the same time is honestly unexcusable for a, for a sport that should be treated as first class. Um, yeah, it's unexcusable. Cool. Um, we got a couple more uh, storylines here I want to hit um, before we kind of jump again into the silly season type stuff. The, the Clash will return for a third consecutive year at the LA Memorial Coliseum. Um, thoughts on this? It's fun. It puts a lot of stress on the teams, but it's good publicity. Gets relatively decent ratings the last two years they've done it. I'm fine running it back for a third year at the Coliseum. We'll see what they do after this one. I think after three years it may run its course here, but I'm fine with it for that third year. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, I, you know, a tight three, having three seasons of something feels correct. It feels like the great way to kind of feel something out. We got three years of Bristol on dirt. And by the way, I didn't get to say this before, but I will always cherish the trip that I got to have with my dad and be able to go to that dirt Bristol race because one, it was the best Bristol Bristol dirt race that we ever had. Um, and two, I almost saw my favorite driver win and I will always have that memory, even though it was like a somewhat tough one. Um, that was incredible. And I'm so glad that, that I got to have that and kind of glad that nobody else will be able to have it now. So, um, yeah, uh, let's, let's run it back one more time. See what, let's see what's, see what's, what's happening. I'm here on the West coast. I might go, dude. I might just go. Um, it's not that far. I've got friends in the LA area. Let's see what happens. Make sure you get in that hottie section where they've got the USC UCLA girls with the free comp tickets. Oh, I'll be in the hottie section. I got I got someone I'll probably bring with me, and, and she she gets her first first pass admission in. So beautiful. Um, all right, awesome. Well, let's jump into some silly season stuff. What's going on in the silly season? A couple things about junior motorsports: Brandon Jones coming back, Justin Algaier coming back as well. So two of the key drivers for JR Motorsports, they're back. Yeah, so it looks like we've locked down three of the four. Right. I guess all four are locked down now. Um, I don't actually know about the fourth one, but Brandon Jones, Justin Allgaier joining Sam Mayer, who just assigned maybe two weeks ago Yep. Uh, for his, his return. So um, Junior Motorsports, yeah, running it all back. I thought maybe Brandon Jones might get pushed back out for Noah Gragson again, um, something along those lines, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Uh, Noah's still out in the wind. Uh, we'll see what happens. Next silly season item, Colleg Racing announces Daniel Hemrick as its driver for the number 31 cup car in 2024. Old Daniel Hemrick, uh, former Rookie of the Year for the Cup Series back in 2018, 2017, um, somewhere around there. Uh, he did race uh, for the for the the Richard Childress Racing. He actually had Tyler Reddick's car before Tyler Reddick came in, um, and uh, and yeah, like I said, he won Rookie of the Year. Uh, but he's all one win is the way that I always refer to him. He's raced for so many teams now across all three series, 
and has only gotten one NASCAR series win. But guess what? It was the one to capture a championship at Homestead, or sorry, at Homestead, at Phoenix, uh, right in front of New Guy and I's eyes, and it was one of the most dramatic finishes I've ever seen in a, in a, in a championship race or in a race in person in general. Um, I don't really have strong feelings about this. It seems like Colleague had to just go with someone that made sense, and Hemrick has had a semi-decent season for them in Xfinity, and it just made sense to kind of move him up. The one thing that I'm not so sure of is, is AJ Allmendinger coming back? Do you know? I have not seen anything on that. I know, right? I I don't know if he signed a multiple-year contract when he moved up originally, and I also don't know how much he's enjoyed his cup season. He He's, he's a lot older, right? It very well could be that he wants to jump back to Xfinity and that they will still have to find yet another driver to race uh, their other full-time cup ride or sell a charter, which uh, I know we're going to get to something like that here in about half a second. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I think we still have cards to be dealt in the colleague uh, space, but that colleague is uh, not got a lot of talent to choose from. So we'll see what happens. Matt DiBendetto out of the number 25 truck for the rest of the season. Matty D was exploring opportunities elsewhere outside of his current team. Seemed like he was Mm -hmm. not ready to come back to that team. And unfortunately, it seems like he's now left without a ride and searching for next season at this point still. There's been nothing announced for next season for Matt DiBendetto yet. Yeah, uh, Matt DiBendetto, he's been... Obviously, his time in Cup was weird. He he gained a lot of fans. He shunned a lot of fans with some politicism. Um, kind of got ousted from where he was at. There, there honestly just wasn't room at the end is why he got ousted more than anything else. Um, but then a lot of teams were afraid to touch him just given, given what he had done. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't know that he's gotten any better as a person um, for what it's worth. I saw a lot of him playing the victim here when he's the one that chose to leave. This is always going to be a weird situation, not just for for embattled drivers like him, like a Noah Gragson right now. Um, you kind of have to take what you get, and when you when you look your your owner or the person that gave you a second shot in the eye and you say, "I can do better than you." Man, a lot of teams they don't like that. They they want people that are going to be loyal to them. Especially the small teams, man. They're signing you to like longer-term contracts, and they don't want you to leave. They don't want you to go bounce to the next great ride. And guess what? This team got a lot better with him driving that car. I, I don't doubt the man's talent. I doubt the man's character and the fact that this guy doesn't seem to respect what it takes to be good here inside and outside the car. Um now, the the team's choice to replace him, I don't even know that they have a replacement driver. At least I didn't see one announced. Um, to replace him before Talladega, which is a defending race for him. He won this last year. Or, or no, he won this earlier in the season, right? Um, that's, that's that bold of a choice because of his actions and because of who he is. And the fact that he wants to play the victim here when he's the one that made that choice is just, it's, it's another... Uh, tick box in what is his character so i'm getting fiery i'm getting spicy over here 
I don't know if you can feel it. Speaking of spicy, what do we got for this charter action? Oh, this is cool. This is this is spicy. We've been waiting for the shoe to drop. Who's going to spend on the next Cup Series charter and either overspend or underspend because, honestly, nobody knows? Well, guess what? It was Spire. I mean, Vegas odds on who, which team is going to buy a charter. Spire's like 17th on that list. It's a long um, shot for so, sure. Yeah, so surprising. Spire owns two charters. Um, they currently have Ty Dillon in one and Corey LaJoy in one, the 7 and the 77. Um, and they buy LiveFast's charter for $40 million, which from a price perspective seems correct. And honestly, I thought that maybe a lot of the charters aren't changing hands. One, we're waiting for the TV contract. That's going to really set a price point, I think, for a lot of these. Um, I, th- I think a lot of teams were basically, before they get that price point, thinking 50 mil. And so this seems like a steal. It seems like they got a good deal. But what the fuck is Spire going to do? Who who are they getting to drive these cars? Because Ty Dillon ain't it either. You need to put someone else in there. Co- Carson Hosevar, potentially an option, even though he's been filling in with Legacy Motor Club and doing very, very well over there for what it's worth. Uh, like, uh, just the, the amount of talent in the Chevy pool, I'll say, is there's not a lot. That's why colleagues going with Hemrick, you know? there's not a lot of Chevy drivers to really pull from except for the junior motorsports guys. And they're all locked in for junior motorsports next year. I'm now starting to think that's Gregson's ride. One of the two, one of the two spy rides is going to be Gregson's ride. So that could be, that could be here first. A little bit of other news on this one. Trackhouse and Spire have now formed an alliance for Zane Smith to drive full time in cup for Spire next season. What do we think of that Mm -hmm. one? Yep, and and this is this is you know the this is the right move to try and get Zane Smith somewhere while you don't know what's going on with Suarez, while you don't know what's going on with SVG, right? Suarez and SVG are under contract already for next season. SVG is going to be doing. Uh, I don't know if they're going to make it the Project Ninety One or they'll make it a new car. I, I don't know what they're going to do in that front. But SVG is going to run a very interesting contract in which he gets to run all three series, truck, Xfinity, and Cup, and just get a, a, a world-class experience to all the tracks that NASCAR goes to and just really start to understand how to drive these cars. I think that's going to help Trackhouse figure out where SVG should build a full season in, in 2025. Um, while they're figuring that out, Suarez has to deliver. Chastain has been delivering and is a is a, a an elite eight, I would say, competitor for the championship every year until he proves he isn't. Suarez didn't make the playoffs. Suarez is that bubble driver that maybe doesn't make the playoffs every year. Zane Smith is a winner. He's the kind of person you can put in that car. He's the kind of person that, you know, if 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 Trackhouse and Spire and Colleague or, or other driver or other teams can form this alliance between Cup and Xfinity and, and Truck. Suarez might need to go down again. He might need to pull a Custer. Go get some confidence. Come back up if it makes sense. But uh, right now, Suarez is underperforming. He probably has what I would say one more season left here um, while Zane Smith takes this one over um, for Spire. And then, like I said, that third Spire car, I'm really thinking it's going to be Noah Gragson. And it'll be between Noah and Zane Smith to see who takes a, a very coveted ride, uh, and, and SVG for that matter, if SVG comes in and kills it. But those three drivers will compete for Suarez's ride if Suarez doesn't improve. 
this is going to be one of those situations where this partnership slash alliance is going to bring the best out of some of these drivers. I'm really excited oh, to yeah. see what Zane Smith can do up in the Cup Series next season. I think this is going to mm-hmm. get, put pressure on, like you said, Suarez in the track house camp. If Noah Gregson goes there too, him and Zane Smith, those guys are going to be fighting for their lives to solidify that Cup Series ride. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and the last thing here for Spire with all these different moves going on, Corey LaJoy locked in for, uh, you know, a number of years. Contract lengths, several years, probably three years. Um, this is all good. Spire's spending. Spire's saying we're here to stay. Spire showed up with a, a great car for Corey LaJoy this weekend. With that comes a lot of pressure for Corey LaJoy as well. If they bring in, obviously, Zane Smith, we know his competitive nature. He will be a rookie. If he can compete with Corey in his first season, fires on Corey. If if Noah comes in and outperforms, uh, 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 you know, uh, Corey, fires on Corey, right? No, there's there's nothing. Even though he is your kind of like stable, uh, 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 stable horse in the in the in the stable, um, it doesn't mean that he's safe. You know, uh, these contracts can be three years long, but you can find ways out of them. Uh, cough, cough, Noah Gregson. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens here. But like clearly Trackhouse Inspire is saying we're making a partnership here. We're going to be bringing in world-class drivers that didn't fit within the stables of these other teams because they're holding on to their veterans for too long. We're willing to be that testing ground for teams or for, for these drivers. And we're hoping to reward their loyalty with long-term contracts and very, very competitive cars. And that's what the sport needs. So. Spire is making moves. I just looked up some of the history of this team because I'm not all that familiar. Looks like in looks like in 2018 was when they first entered the sport. Uh, had some alliances over the years. Looks like some Rick Ware racing in 2020, and then now to move all the way and be partnering with Trackhouse, another one of these young, not young, newer teams that's bringing money to the sport. It's cool to see these two teams partnering up and. And I'm seeing good things to come. I mean, Corey LaJoy's got Celsius Energy Drink as his, spon- as his main sponsor. Mm-hmm. That's blowing up right now. I see it all over the place. So, so good. So this team, man, they got momentum, and I'm excited to see what they can do with this uh, next year. Yeah, the, spy- the Spire history was basically that they came in part-time and were paired with Chip Ganassi Racing. And so the fact that Trackhouse is paired with them is not surprising. Trackhouse bought Chip Ganassi Racing, right? Takes took over the garage and everything. They they they've been joined anyway through fate, right? Through through everything that has happened business wise. So like this just makes sense. And again, of the growing brands, Trackhouse could just become Trackhouse or sorry, Trackhouse Inspire could just become Trackhouse Racing with four cars. That could very well be what sure. happens, and they could sell a charter flip go around and flip a charter for a lot more money here in a year or two with the tv deal right so like there's a lot of moves here but spire has been at the center of it by just spending when it makes sense and that's been the kind of their their mo the whole time so any other storylines or do we want to move on to some other series uh, I do want to call out a, a a you know less than great uh storyline to call out but like you know, anytime you, you, you talk about any kind of an in-memoriam, um, it's, it's best to talk about it with the nature of what the person brought to the sport. Definitely brought a lot of emotion and tears to my eyes when I saw it. Um, the death of Sherry Pollock's uh, Martin Truex Jr.'s longtime girlfriend. But more than that, to this sport, 
was our our face to put to a cause. Um, I have always respected the fact that all sports do things for for great causes. The the my favorite month of the year in the NFL is when you see all the pink gear and uh, all of the auctions that take place for breast cancer. Um, for for NASCAR, it's been ovarian cancer, and it's been because of Sherry Pollock's. Um, again, brought into the sport maybe mostly because of her being the girlfriend of Martin Truex Jr. But more than that, she put on uh, uh, not not just a brave face for what she was going through, but a destigmatization of cancer when it comes to ovarian cancer in the NASCAR world, and kind of again gave us this 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 uh, charity walk that we got to see every year that has always brought me to tears and always gotten me very emotional. And we just had it a week ago, and she she was uh, I think. Uh, uh, posting stuff on Instagram because um, she couldn't be there, and then just to find out this week is because she was too sick, and because uh, she she finally came or succumbed to a long fight with cancer was very emotional. Yeah, very emotional indeed. Well said. Uh, sad news all the way around there. Um, some other series stuff. So we talked about F one. We briefly got to it. Guess what? Max doesn't win this week. Um, Carlos Sainz wins the Singapore Grand Prix. We got to we got to say a little bit about it last week with new guy here. The Singapore Grand Prix has always been a good one. It's always been an exciting one. It's always been a different one. Somehow that track just seems different and always seems to bring some some new excitement to a season when a season could be as boring as it's been. Um, the racing was phenomenal. It's by far the best race of the year. Um, Silverstone was was what we had previously called the best race of the year. This made that look like a snore fest. Um, the racing for the lead was was very competitive. The whole race, the last two laps of the two Mercedes who were faster, trying to chase down uh, the McLaren of Orlando Norris and Carlos Sainz in the lead, all of them within DRS of each other, and then. I forget which turn it was, but as they go to go into a turn, Lando Norris clips the outside wall just a little bit, and uh, uh, Russell for Mercedes tries to follow him, hits the wall pretty hard before going into the corner, and wrecks out of the race on that final lap, um, leading to a, a, a Ferrari win, a McLaren second place, and another... And, and I think this was, I forget what number this was for, for uh, Lewis Hamilton, 213, I want to say, something like that, uh, to his 213th podium, which is just insane. Um, but guess what? Max was fifth. Uh, even with a car wrecking out on the final lap, he was fifth. And that, you know, just a little bit, that's the kind of thing that, that F1 needs to keep people interested here before the end of the season and to get people interested for next season and see some competitiveness from these other teams. So, all good for F1, and I, again, applaud this race. Very good race. NASCAR is headed to Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. We've only got two series this weekend, so we've got Xfinity at 3.30 Eastern on Saturday. Both of these races are going to be on the USA Network. Xfinity is that Andy's Frozen Custard 300. 45, 45, 110 for your stages. Cup is at 3.30 Eastern on Sunday. The Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400, 80 laps stage one, 80 laps stage two, 
and 107 laps stage three. I will likely be watching this one side by side on my second TV while the Green Bay Packers beat the ever living fuck <laughs> out of the New Orleans Saints. And as we like to say, fuck the Saints. Your previous fuck winners. The Saints. 2020 Tyler Reddick and 2021 Kyle Larson at Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah, uh, one thing I want to apologize. I before I was thinking the three race schedule for this first opening round of the playoffs for the Xfinity Series was uh, Bristol, Skip, Texas, Talladega, Roval. I forgot that Talladega is actually just Truck and Cup. And so the three the three race schedule is uh, is Bristol, Texas, and then Roval. So not quite as crazy for the Xfinity yeah, series, yeah, for sure. Um, but still, still pretty crazy. And remember that Texas sucks for Cup right now. It's still it's not bad for Xfinity. The Xfinity cars are actually pretty good here. Um, even even though I still think PJ one ruined this racetrack and all all of the above. At least the Xfinity race should be pretty watchable. The Cup race, uh, you know, for first race of the new round. It's the breather race, is what I would say. Um, but uh, still excited to see what we get here. And hell, my boy here won here last year, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, all right, well, that brings us to our smart and heart picks. Let me run down the standings um, after yet another uh, good week for Baby G, uh, quite honestly. So at Bristol, uh, B-Boy had selected uh, 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 Christopher, Bo- uh, Christopher, who am I, Dale Jr.? Chris Busher. Uh, and and Alex Bowman for an average finish of 8.5. New guy, man, for once, getting some good picks in here. Uh, <laughs> the picks of William Byron and Chase Elliott for an average finish of 8th. But Baby G, just just delivering, man. So strong. Uh, picks of uh, Christopher uh, Bell and uh, Ty Gibbs for an average finish of 4th. So that means right now Baby G extends his lead with an average finish of 12.33. B-Boy in second with an average finish of 14.52. And still bringing up the rear uh, with an average finish of 16.72 is New Guy. New Guy very well might be out of position to catch you uh, at this point. You'd have to have really bad weeks, and he'd have to have some pretty stellar weeks. But we still make our picks regardless. Uh, New Guy's not here. He'll make his picks from the canals of London later on. Um, But I will start us off. Um, Remember, our rules are that... We can pick any of those four drivers that just got eliminated now as part of our heart picks, as long as we didn't previously pick them in those last three races. Um, So with that, wrapping my head around this, who do I like at Texas? You know, I'm going to do it because I've been waiting to do it. I'm going with the smart pick of Ryan Blaney. Smart pick for me at Texas is going to be Kyle Busch in the eight. Kyle, the Bushman. Bush, noted. Might be cracking open some Bush during that Packer game. We'll see. There you go. Uh, Let's see here. You want to talk about the Packer game this weekend, this past weekend? Ooh, Ooh. yeah, it'll be down. (laughs) That's gonna be that could be our that could be our outro. It'll be down by the Falcons there, but yeah, we'll get to that later. (laughs) Um, all right, let's see here. These are the harder picks. They're the harder picks for sure. You know what? For 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 classic's sake, I'm gonna go with Harvick. I'm gonna complete the Ford picks here for for Texas. 
I'm feeling a guy who I haven't picked much this season. Give me Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the 47. Ooh, all right. Yeah, two, picking two guys that are newly out of uh, of the playoffs, so they are available for that hard pick. Um, new guy, his picks so far, the 8, 11, uh, 23, and 24 are all still off limits as they are still in the playoffs. Um, so you won't be able to pick them, and he won't be able to pick the 99 and the 9 for his heart picks. Um, but we'll get his picks in, and we'll talk about them next week on next week's uh, uh, podcast. So awesome. Um, I think that brings us to the end of Smart and Heart Picks and right into Rapid Fire. <laughs> All right. Uh, my first Rapid Fire for question for you, uh, my friend, is should teams be able to compete across the multiple sports so what i mean by that is have a team in cup and a team in xfinity and a team in truck or or any combination of the two and then the follow-up to that is should cup teams only be allowed to be cup teams so you could maybe have a team that is across truck and xfinity but not in cup interesting so you're saying there's let's say hendrick you know they got their four cup cars are you saying i would only like hendrick to be able to drive cup they wouldn't have be able to have any feeder teams is that what we're talking here um feeder teams and uh and affiliations i think are the lifeblood of what keeps money in the sport it, it keeps diversification high and so they're paramount to the success of of these if these rules were in place you would need to be able to be have these and so i think like you would still have affiliations you would still maybe even have the engine manufacturer be Hendrick and the team be junior motorsports, but the ownership groups being different is what's, what's most important. Ooh, interesting. So I think that would be really cool. I just don't know if there's enough interest and money to go around to fill out the full three series. If you do go that route, Mm. I feel like we're close. Like we're not that far off. There's only a couple cup teams, especially like using the rule that I, that I said as the like secondary, the less harsh rule, which is like a cup team can only be a cup team. We're not far off from that. There's only a few cup teams that actually have um, uh, uh, Xfinity teams themselves. The ones that come to mind is obviously RCR has an Xfinity team. Um, Stuart Haas Racing has an Xfinity team. Penske has an Xfinity team. Um, Colleague Racing has an Xfinity team. Um, so like, there's only a couple that are racing across both. And, and again, I feel like they could very easily, this, this is one of those things that if a rule came out this year, you're grandfathered in until you're not right. So like these teams could hold on for as long as they want, but eventually if they decided to sell out, they wouldn't be able to reestablish in it. Um, which again, I think is good for just keeping the competitiveness, but I'm with you that like, maybe we don't have enough money right now. So. How would you feel about a bunch of the cup drivers getting their own, like, let's say, truck teams? You know, Kyle Busch has his truck team. Could you see, like, hey, Kyle Larson, what the heck? I'm going to start a truck team and, and own my own truck team, something like that. A lot of these guys that they've made a ton of money in the sport, Chase Elliott, Larson, a lot of those guys yeah. could have, could afford a truck or an Xfinity team if they wanted to. Um, I could see that happening. Yeah, well, we used to have more. Kevin Harvick Racing used to be a thing uh, run by Delana Harvick, his wife. Um, I'd love to see that come back, especially with him in retirement. Um, hell, maybe even him buying into Stuart Haas racing would be kind of cool. Um, 
I could see, well, Brad Keselowski used to have his team as well. In fact, there was a weird streak there where, like, basically every single Xfinity champion had raced for Brad Keselowski's racing team at some point. Um, basically, everyone everyone that you know has a big name in Cup right now that's young had raced for Brad Keselowski at some point, which is really, really cool. Um, obviously, Brad now owns a, a, a part owner of RFK Racing. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that kind of thing would be encouraged a little bit more. And it brings a lot more power to what you're bringing to the table in a, in a deal negotiation as Kyle Busch just went through, right? Sure, there was a lot more to it because he had to figure out, well, does my team go to Chevy if I'm going to move over to uh, to a Chevy and to RCR? But RCR knew what they were buying. They were buying their 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 truck window, right? Their their way to get in a Nick Sanchez, and then have Nick Sanchez graduate to their Xfinity team, and then have that that driver make it to their Cup team eventually. They knew that that's that is something you get with Kyle Busch. And I think there is like a natural uh, a thing to be gained by having someone that has that that you know that that team, but not not if you already have an Xfinity team or not if you already have a truck team. You know, good question there. Thanks. What would your foundation be called, and what cause are you helping if you had a charitable foundation? That's a really good question. Um, I'll say that like one of my biggest fears in life is brain degeneration or degenerative diseases, um, and uh, like I, I I know I gave a very passionate and fiery thing about Sherry Pollock's and about cancer. I think there's a lot of money in cancer research, and just because it is again one of my greatest fears, and I've seen people that are affected by it and 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 have been moved by it, um, I would definitely be in the realm of Alzheimer's research. Is, is definitely where I would I would pour a lot of money. That's I where that's I would a, be. That was mine as well. Yeah. I mean, I have really. It runs in the family. It's an, a thing I know I'm going to get in in my oh, later man. years in life. So I just hope at some point we can. We talked about this via Discord messages. It's like all the money that's poured into these stupid fucking apps and these bullshit companies. Let's get that money going towards research anywhere and, else. and anywhere yeah. else that like. AI is this is all bullshit. You're feeding me garbage. Let's get that money working for greater causes. We're making progress on a lot of these things, but if we hold all this private equity money that's just burning companies to the ground and putting in that towards good energy, good research, I think we could do a hell of a lot of good in this world. Okay. Yeah. Cap capitalism. It's what's for dinner, man. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh that's the slogan, right? The beef, it's what's for dinner. Uh yeah. Um Man, that's that sucks. I you're you're breaking things to me right in the middle of a podcast about. I had no clue that Alzheimer's runs in your family, man. That I, I feel for you, man. Uh, this could very easily turn into a discussion about euthanasia, but instead of that, I'm going to move on and talk about uh, how would a scholarship program work in NASCAR if you could theorize one. Um, how would a scholarship program work, and what would what series would it help introduce drivers to? Ooh, I think a great one would be ARCA because there's some talent down there in ARCA, but it seems like a lot of these ARCA teams don't have the money or even the drivers don't have the money to really run a full ARCA series or make it to the next level. We we talked about Frankie Muniz. We, we didn't do Muniz Watch on this week's podcast, but we'll do it right now. Frankie Muniz is a guy that he's struggling to get sponsors. So these other drivers who don't have you know a name from a TV show – Having someone who either wins the ARCA series, 
get some sort of sponsorship to be able to move to a truck team with a significant amount of money would be really cool in my opinion to see because I think there is talent down there. You see it with a guy like Jesse Love. He's got awesome mm-hmm. talent. He'll probably be in a truck ride or an Xfinity ride very soon. But if you win that ARCA series to get some sort of sponsorship to have money to be able to move up to cup or not cup, that would be quite the leap, move up to truck, yeah, that truck. would be really cool mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, I think that's where the gap is to me right now is you've got your three national touring series and then you've got ARCA, which is just totally an afterthought, right? Um, and so I agree that I think the ARCA series champion, that said, I do think it would be really interesting to have a like NASCAR next type series that is about finding 15, 16, 17 year olds, maybe even older. I don't know that you have to age restrict it to that point. Like why can't Frankie Muniz run for this and basically have a series maybe that's kind of put on through like an SRX type of thing where the teams and everything are funded by NASCAR and it's about finding that next driver and then putting them into an ARCA car and that that is well funded and seeing how they do. And then from there, they can go anywhere they want. You know, um, I think like the the barrier to entry into ARCA to get into the NASCAR ranks is huge. It's massive. And really, even if you do make that leap, if you are a Frankie Munez, if you're not in one of those Toyotas like Jesse Love and Swalich and these guys that have gotten wins this year, you're not going to win races. Like, there's just not a chance, right? And so, like, until ARCA becomes less of a joke, I'd almost hate to reward the ARCA champion because it's just going to be a Toyota driver, you know? Right. But, uh, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I was curious. I, that, again, learning about the indie series and, like, how the Formula Mazda series feeds into it with the scholarship program was so fucking cool. I wanted to really see what, what we could come up with, so... Um, cool. We dipped into my rapid fire a little bit during storylines. What is the one thing you would do to stop the ratings bleeding? Mm. I, yeah, I think it's just that pause. It's, it's the let the football fanaticism. There's just so much that builds up right before the season begins that like people can't even fathom watching anything other than football right now. Baseball sees a downtick right now, too. Oh, for sure. Even though baseball is entering their dog days, right? Right before the playoffs, the playoff push. This is some of the most exciting baseball. Shout out the fucking uh, Nick Castellanos and the Philadelphia Phillies tonight uh, beating the Braves in Atlanta with Castellanos with a tie game in the bottom of the ninth, making a foul ball catch with one out and making the throw to home from the first baseline. And, and getting it out. First off, go watch that play. Castellanos also had two home runs today. Fucking, what a fucking game. That's exciting. And guess what? There's a lot of people not watching it because football is just on their brains right now. So you got to get away from it. You got to get away from it somehow. I got a baseball team right here in my backyard, the Milwaukee Brewers. They just extorted $700 million from the state of Wisconsin to keep the team here through 2050. They're yeah. in first place, and honestly, someone at work today was like, wow, the Brewers are kicking ass. Like, I'm like, oh, really? They are. are they now? That's fantastic because I don't follow baseball at all, and I haven't been to a baseball game that hasn't been free in like a decade or, I, or it's been in Bro, a that's suite, so, so that's so wild. I didn't know that you didn't know about that. We should have been talking about this more. The Brewers are potentially the hottest team in the NL. 
Um, and uh, like, like, look, the Braves, uh, the they're they're by far the best team in the NL. The Dodgers and the Phillies have shown signs that they could beat the Braves in a, either a five game or a seven game series. The Brewers look like the most dangerous team to actually do it uh, right now. Granted, they may not meet them until the NLCS. So uh, they got some they got some uh, Dodgers and potentially Phillies to go through themselves first. But yeah, Brewers looking fucking really good, man. They finally got healthy is what happened. But I've seen this yeah, story. This is in a baseball podcast. I've seen this story before. They got no hitting. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> first round, they're out. No, Let's they go, do baby. have hitting. <laughs> they do have hitting now. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a different Brewers team than I've than I think I have ever seen. And fantastic. Uh, we got I, that on rec- on record. You, we'll be, you heard we'll be it. Clipping and that I, one you know, in in two I've, weeks. <laughs> I've got my uh my my uh my my jerseys all like perfectly cleaned up right now and uh that brew crew shirt's in there. It's in it's in this closet. It's not in my other closet. The other closet means I'm not going to wear it. That brew crew shirt's right here. It's ready to be worn. You got more brew uh, crew stuff than I do. I got one Prince Fielder shirt that I bought like 15 years ago and that's literally all I got. <laughs> also I a just, Richie oh, Sexton jersey. Look- uh yeah, I I just have the the actual brew crew jersey cuz I I just like it. Like honestly, how many how many bachelor parties have probably bought those jerseys? Um a million. But uh I like I like I like jerseys and I like baseball jerseys a lot. And so even though the Brewers are never been my team and honestly I was rooting for the Cubs to win the division. Um I I'm I'm willing to root for the Brewers, man. I like Milwaukee. Let's do it. Speaking of doing it, Baby G, are we going to read these standings? Yes, I did. I just led myself into the segment. So we'll just run down. We'll go over the plus minus of the round of 12. So William Byron and Martin Truex, both plus 25. Denny Hamlin, plus 21. Kyle Larson, plus 12. Chris Boucher at 10. Kyle Busch, the 8, plus 8. Christopher Bell, plus 5. Tyler Reddick in 8th, plus 3. Then currently below the cut line, Ross Chastain and Brad Keselowski, both minus three. Ryan Blaney is minus six. And Bubba Wallace in there at that 12 spot, minus 14. So those guys below the cut line, they got work to do. Byron and Truex Jr. looking good in the points. But as we know, all you need is wins if you're still in this round of 12. Yeah, the thing to call out here is... This is the chaos round, right? Nobody is safe. William Byron and Martin Truex Jr. Truex, you know, scraping through by the skin of his teeth in the last round. Even Denny Hamlin, who's really hot right now. Even Kyle Larson, who's really hot right now. It doesn't matter. You're not safe at the at the 25-point barrier. It takes Talladega to knock your ass out. And it's the second race of this, of, of this, this uh, round. Texas... We had a lot of blown tires at Texas last year. We've not had that blown tire issue this year as much. But then again, we saw it a little bit at Darlington, um, and we saw it again uh, the week after at, at Kansas. It can rear its head. I don't think you can overlook this weekend. Do not come into this weekend being overly aggressive. Texas is not the race to do it. Be conservative. Get your points. Try and build up your lead if you're one of these drivers that's ahead. If you are one of these drivers that's behind, if you're Bubba Wallace, you're Ryan Blaney, you're Brad Keselowski, you're Ross Chastain, you don't have to roll the dice that hard because there's two different races that are going to roll the dice for you at Talladega and at the Roval that you have the ability to be really aggressive at. But that said, 
maybe you do roll the dice to Texas because the other folks might be more might be less aggressive. So again, nobody's safe. Nobody, none of these points differences are too hard to make up. Bubba Wallace made up 19 points last week to advance. He's only 14 back in last place right now. Nothing is insurmountable. One race at a time. Same thing we saw last week where Truex was just absolutely dropping like a rock. I mean, I don't know how many points he dropped in the race at Bristol, but it was it was a ton. He couldn't get that car to turn, and he was just struggling. Or was that Harvick instead of Truex? I think both that of them was, struggled. Yeah, it was Harvick. Yeah, Harvick, Tru- Harvick Truex just didn't... dropped like a rock. Yeah, yeah. Truex didn't have as good of a car this past week. Um, especially considering the fact that all of his teammates had really, really good races, Danny and Ty Gibbs and, and Christopher Bell. Um, but Truex did get plus eight to the cut line. He was three below, ended up five above uh, to, to advance. But you don't, don't, you don't want to put yourself in that situation, especially when it's going to mean the Roval is your, is your, um, you know, your, your closer race. But guess what? The Roval's fun because those last couple of laps, sure, there will probably be a fight for the lead. But then you've got guys dive bombing other drivers into corners to make up one point at a time, one point at a time, and get yourself through. Don't be one of those drivers. Get through these first two races somehow. Get through Talladega without with you know a clean nose, and and be plus. 15 to the cut line going into the Roval, and you'll probably be okay. Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, I think that brings us to the end of our episode. This has been the podcast big one, a really long episode considering we're just two people, um, but we had a lot to cover, and, and it was such a fantastic weekend of racing overall, not just uh, uh, NASCAR racing. Um you can follow us at Podcast Big One, where we sometimes tweet. Sometimes we just retweet things that we like. Um, sometimes we retweet sad things uh, uh, like the passing of Sherry Pollux. But you can follow us there um, and, and, and follow uh, all the people that we follow for even better, more up-to-date NASCAR news. Um, and you can probably always email us at podcastbigone at gmail.com, uh, where we will respond. We'll shout out. We'll say whatever you're saying on live. Well, not live on recorded air on this podcast um but it's been b-boy it's been my absolute pleasure to bring you what a great episode with my friend baby g all the way from milwaukee um any last comments baby g i was riding high on that football game on sunday and the atlanta falcons brought the hammer down in the fourth quarter on my green bay packers and jordan love first loss of his career Absolutely devastating. Now sitting at a clean one and one. I think he's still a lock for the Hall of Fame at this point. We're we're going back <laughs> to back to back. It's going to be a three-peat. At least we're not the Chicago Bears because they're in week two. They've completely imploded. The quarterback, Justin Fields, has thrown the entire organization under the bus, and I am absolutely loving it. Yeah, yeah, the Bears are in shambles. But uh, let's, let's be serious. There is one shoe in hall of famer on that green bay and atlanta field this weekend and his name is b john robinson um and with that that's been the big one podcast great talking with y'all we'll see you next week bye bye